All right. So I was talking to a few people before service, and I've been feeling this all week. If this, does anybody else feel like this week between Christmas and New Year's is just a really weird week? Like, what are, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to work or not? Or what's supposed to happen? And is it work? So I just just so you know, in the we have a, we actually have a um, employee handbook here for the church, and it says that we the staff get the week from Christmas to New Year's off. That we're we're off this week. Um, now, one thing I've noticed as being a pastor now for about ten years here is that every week there's a Sunday. Okay, have you noticed that? Have, have you noticed that that every week there's a Sunday, and so it's like can't just say, "Well, sorry, uh, it's not good." No, so so it's it's kind of one of these weird ones. But what do you do? And do you as do you continue your Christmas series that you just had, or do you start something new, or what do you do? So it's kind of a weird week, but I'm excited for what we're going to talk about today. To be honest, and it's kind of just sort of a standalone deal because next week. We will start a new sermon series, and it's called Flourish, okay? And these are the study guide that we put together for it. You can pick it up out on the courtyard. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at our mission statement, our vision statement, and talk about what does it mean for us as a church to flourish? What does it mean for us, for me, for you as individuals to flourish? But mostly, what does it mean for our church to really flourish and to grow in every way that God wants us to grow? And so I'd encourage you to pick up a study guide. Use it as a way to prepare for the Sundays, but that's what we'll start next week. So today, and this is the perfect Sunday to do this, is to to take a look back, right? It's kind of that Sunday, it's that time where you maybe take a look back at the year that you've just had and what has been happening and where have you grown and what are the highlights, where are the struggles, but also to take some time to look ahead is what we want to do. And in order to do that, I am going to continue in the Christmas kind of season by looking in Luke chapter 2. And there's, there's two um, characters of the Christmas story that don't get talked about much that are really beautiful for, and I think have a lot to say to us in terms of this idea of looking back and looking forward. And it's Simeon and Anna. And some of you may not know who these are. These were not the innkeeper's names or anything like that. These are, these are two folks that meet up with Jesus right after he was born, pretty much. And um, so that's what we'll look at. So here we go. It's in Luke chapter 2. It's starting in verse 21. It says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name that the angel had given him before he was conceived. So one thing that's very interesting is that Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, they follow all of the religious laws of that day, all the Jewish laws. So this is one of the things that you're supposed to do with your son is that on the eighth day, you have them circumcised, and that is when you give them the name. And the actual name that they give him is Jesus, which means uh, God saves, Yahweh saves. And it was a name that the angels gave to Mary and Joseph. And then verse 22 says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So if you just kept, had been reading this in your Bible, verse 21 and 22, obviously, are right next to each other. That's how it works in the Bible. And um, <laughs> so, but what you wouldn't have known is that there's a, very, a time lapse between those. So verse 21 takes eight days after Jesus is born. The purification rites take place 40 days afterwards. 
So this has happened about so honestly. Jesus is about the age of Joe. She's about six weeks. He's about six weeks when they take him to the temple in Jerusalem. And you're supposed to make an offering, a sacrifice for your firstborn son. And the sacrifice that Mary and Joseph are going to make, a pair of doves or two young pigeons, shows that they are, they are not wealthy. They are, they, are on the, they are the poor group, and so that there's different levels of what you, sacrifices you could make, and they are making a sacrifice that would be for a family that does not have much money. It continues then in verse 35. Now there was a man, or in 25, there's a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you have now dismissed your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So um, they come into the temple, uh, and I don't know, it's always a little awkward probably when a stranger comes up and just takes your baby from you. I I guess maybe in those days it wasn't as weird as it is now maybe, I don't know, but they have no idea who Simeon is. Simeon just, and the Holy Spirit has said, you're going to be in the temple. You're going to see the Messiah. And, and sure enough, Jesus and Mary come walking in with Jesus, um, Joseph and Mary. And, and uh, Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and then sings this beautiful song. And, and in the book of Luke, just if you said, there's five songs that are in the book of Luke that are kind of known as Christmas songs. And this is the fifth one, the last one of this sort of season where there's a singing that happens because of the birth of Jesus that's happening. And then Simeon will go on to tell, tell the Mary and tell Joseph that many will believe and follow their son, but others will, will find him as a stumbling block, one that they won't be able to follow after him. And then they actually, he actually says that, uh, that Mary's heart will be pierced, that she will find great sorrow and experience great sorrow because she will watch her son be crucified. And that's what Simeon says. And then it continues in verse 36 after that, and we meet up with Anna. There's also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming up to them At the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So uh, we have these two uh, characters of the series, of uh, Simeon and Anna. They're both in the temple area. And I think they they do some, they're helpful for us that they, they tell us how to look back well. How to look back well. How do you look back on the year you've just had and how do we do that well? Because you see, both of them have experienced uh, disappointment. Uh, Simeon is, understands that the Jerusalem and, and Judah and Israel is not as it should be because it says that he's waiting for the consolation, the beginning, the, the coming together of Israel, that he's waiting for the Messiah. 
And so he understands that, that the, the nation is not as he would hoped it would be. And so he could have, you could grow angry, right? You could grow bitter when things aren't happening. There's a group of people around this time called zealots who were desiring to bring about change through violence and revolution. And he could have gone about it that way, but, but he listened to what the Lord was doing in his life. And he, and he looked back at the things and he didn't allow it to shape him to be angry or bitter or disappointed in, in what's happening. And then Anna is the same thing. It says that Anna had been married for seven years, and then her husband dies. We don't know anything more about this. It could have been an illness. It could have been an accident. We're not sure exactly, but, but married for seven years. And, and again, the, 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 the writing that's not sure, she's either 84 years old at this time, or she's been a widow for 84 years. We don't know. If she's been a widow for 84 years, she's probably over 100 at this point. We're not sure. But either way, can you imagine the disappointment she could have felt in life? The way she could look back and say that life has given her a rough deal, that growing bitterness and anger and all that. And yet, she goes just the opposite way and listens to what the Lord is doing in her life, and, and she's in the temple at all times. She could have become bitter or angry, but she doesn't. So in the scriptures, we're constantly reminded to remember, to look back. But I think we have to look back well. We have to look back and not allow the things that have happened in our past, not allow the struggles or the pain to actually shape who we become. Okay? I know that's hard to do. We have to ask God as we look back to redeem the pains and hurts of our life. That that is what God does. That God can take the pains, that God can take the disappointment, that God can take the hurts of our past, and he actually can redeem it for his good. And so when we look back, which we're, we're supposed to do, and I would encourage you to do this this year, and chances are you've had some really wonderful things that have happened this year, things that you've, where you're totally encouraged and excited and thankful for, but there also were things that have happened that have been really hard and really difficult. And I believe that these two show us the right way to look at those, to not allow them to shape who we are, but to allow God to redeem it, and then that is what shapes who we are. Ask God, please help me to help redeem what has happened in my past. And then, looking forward is don't miss the times where God wants to teach you something in the future. Again, you look back and you go, God has taught me these things as I've gone along. I've experienced this difficulty in my life. I'm asking God to redeem it and to use it in my life. And now I'm going to look forward to see what is God going to do. And that's what these two did. Simeon and Anna were looking forward to what God was going to do. And they, do, they teach us some really important things also, I think, about being in the right place at the right time. You ever thought about that for these two? There were hundreds and hundreds of people in the temple courts. There were probably, in the course of their time, hundreds of babies that were brought into the temple to do this sacrifice. And yet they are at the right place at the right time. And it wasn't just by luck. It wasn't just by luck that they happened to show up on that day and, 
and Joseph and Mary brought Jesus in, that, that there's a lot that happened here that prepared them, that they had practices which put them in the right place at the right time. And here's some things that the scripture said about these two. It said, first and foremost, that Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit. Right? Led by the Holy Spirit. I love that second song we sang about the Holy Spirit leading us. And that has to be, a, needs to be a part of who we are as followers of Jesus. So we're constantly asking the Holy Spirit to lead us into our future, to lead us into those places where we can come in contact with the, with the Christ child. And so Simeon was, was led by the Holy Spirit. The other thing that is said about him is it says that he was righteous and devout. Devout. Righteous and devout. And here's the thing. That just doesn't happen by accident. To be righteous and devout just isn't going to happen. A lot of times we hope it's, that's how it happens, right? It's like, Jesus, just change me. Help me to be righteous. And the cross does a lot. But it also causes, but we have to, uh, it takes time and it takes effort and it takes uh, practices in our life to actually build the type of life which would be known as righteous and devout. So Simeon had those practices in his life and it showed in, his, in who he was. Then about Anna, it says this, it says that she never left the temple courts. When it was open, she was there. So, I guess I can say this. It's good not to miss a Sunday morning. And not so that, gosh, we feel better about how many people are here or all that. But because God wants to do something in your life when we gather together as his people. God truly wants to do something in your heart and soul when you come together as God's people. That's why it's good to be together. It's why it's great to be together on a Sunday. Because you're opening up yourself and God can do some wonderful things because we're together and gathered together as his people. Either through the word that is spoken, through the worship that happens, through the connections that happen, but, but that's what happens. And so Anna, she, it says she never left the temple courts. She was constantly there. And again, I think back to this woman, right? Could have been really angry and bitter about what had happened in her life. Yet she went the opposite way. She spent time in the temple. And then it says this. It says, she worshiped, fasted, and prayed. Worshiped, fasted, and prayed. And again, she had these practices in her life that prepared her for this. And so, and so the question for us as we look ahead to 2020, it's moving ahead, is what spiritual practices does God want you to consistently make a part of your life this next year? What, what, what is it? Is it that he wants you to become a person of prayer, deeper prayer? Is it that he wants you to fast? Is it that you're going to join a core group? Is that you're going to serve? All of these are ways that we put ourselves in, the, in, in a stream to where when the Holy Spirit is working, that then we get, there's this connection that happens. Reading scripture and praying and being in community and all that isn't in and of, of itself what it's about all to open ourselves up to say, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. 
And, and we see this happening with these two people, right? That they are in the temple at the right time, at the right place, and right then is when the Christ child comes in, and it happens because of, the, of who they are and the practices that they've put into their lives. And so what a shame it would be, right, for, for all of us, any of us, to miss what God wants to do in your life. To not be in the right position, to not be, have your heart in the right place. What a shame it would have been if Simeon on that day said, you know what, I'm not going to go to the temple today. I know the Holy Spirit's telling me to go, but I'm not going to go. What a shame if Anna had decided that day, no, I'm not going to be there. Would have missed what God was doing in their lives that day. Same is true for us. Practice those things, those spiritual practices that put your heart in the right place so that when God wants to work in your life, you're ready, you're at the right place, and you're at the right time. And then I love this line I said to, that we are to live looking ahead in prayerful expectancy. I don't know if you saw this in verse 25, but it said this. It said, now there was a man in Jerusalem talking about Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And, and when you think about that word waiting, that could just kind of think, well, I'm waiting. But I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. He said, in Jerusalem at the time, there was a man named Simeon by name, a good man, a man who lived in the prayerful expectancy of help for Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Prayerful expectancy is what waiting is. It's not just saying, okay, God, I'm just waiting for you to do something. But it's prayerfully expecting that he's going to work. It's praying, Lord, I, you know what? There's this part of my life that I know just isn't right. And Lord, I want you to work at that. And I'm going to look and I'm going to see and I'm going to step into faith and whatever to see what you want to do there. Or Lord, you know what? I've been feeling that I should serve a little bit more in different ways. And I'm just not going to wait around, but I'm going to see where do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to step out in faith and see if you want me to work? That's what it means to prayerful expectancy. It's such a great phrase. It's not passive. It's not passive that we're just waiting for God, but we're taking steps to see what God wants to do as we pray and open up our lives and say, Lord, this is where I want you. I sense you're taking me. And I think the Apostle Paul thought the same way. And in Philippians chapter 3, he writes something about looking ahead to what God wants to do. And he says these, he's coming out of a section where he's talked about the fact that he is not, he's not perfect yet. He's not received everything that God wants him to have. And he says, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Right? So Paul says, hey, I've not obtained perfection yet. God is not finished with me yet. I'm not done. Is God finished with you? No. Not finished with any of us. He's still at work in each of us, no matter how old we are, no matter how long we've been following Jesus, he is still at work. Audrey, he's still at work in you, right? Amen, right? God is still at work in each and every one of us. 
we can all line up with Paul and say, nope, he's not done with me. I have not gotten to everything. And then I love this line where Paul says that Christ Jesus has taken a hold of him for some purpose, for a reason. That God has actually taken a hold of your life. And first and foremost, the purpose is this. To develop your life into Christ-likeness. That would be the main thing for each and every one of us. That God is at work to make us more and more like Jesus. But I also believe that God has taken a hold of each and every one of us for something else too. There is a purpose that God has grabbed a hold of your life for. There might be another person that you know that needs to know Christ and you're the way that that's going to happen. There might be a mission that you're going to get involved with, like YWAM or whatever, that you, because that God has taken a hold of your life. He took a hold of your life for a reason. And, and then Paul says, forgetting what is behind. And for Paul, this means even all the places of position he had. It means forgetting all those things that he depended on to gain favor with God. It also means all the forgetting about the failures that he's experienced, right? This is a man who arrested Christians. This is a man who uh, approved the killing of Christians. And he says, you know what? I'm leaving that behind. I'm not, that stuff isn't holding me back. And, and, the, and the wording that he uses, what is so great, is it's all about, these are all athletic terms he's talking about. It's forgetting means to completely forget. It's the image of a runner in a race who doesn't even concern himself with his opponents who are running behind him. He's just focused on that goal. He keeps moving ahead. One, um, one commentator said, it's this, said it this way. Just as a runner's speed is slackened, should he think of those behind him and the thud, thud of their pounding feet, so the Christian's onward progress is hindered, should he dwell on the past, full of failures and sins, full of heartaches and discouragements, full of disappointments and thwarted hopes and plans, as long as a Christian has made things right with God and man, he should completely forget the past. That we take the pain from the past and we again ask God, redeem it. Forgive me for what I've done. May there be reconciliation for the relationships where I've hurt, whatever it is. But when we've got to that point, then we say, okay, I'm moving ahead. I'm looking ahead to what God wants to do. And this athletic imagery continues with a runner focusing totally on the finish line. And the goal and the prize for you and I is Christ-likeness. It's what God wants to do. Wants you to look more like Jesus. Wants you to love people like Jesus does. Wants you to, to care for people. Wants you to serve like you. That's all that he wants to do. So both Simeon and Anna then break out into praise and thanks after they encounter the Christ child. They speak about him and they talk about what he will accomplish. Again, when, Mar when our life intersects with God, it should result in praise and thanksgiving. It should result in us talking about this is what God's doing in my life and this is what he wants to do in my life and future. And then I love this line where it said that Jesus' parents marveled at what was said about him. Don't you want to marvel this year? Mar marvel at, at who Jesus is? Ask the Lord to teach you something new. 
that you might marvel at who he is and how he's at work in your life. Things can, we can become so used to things and things are, we don't marvel at stuff enough. And I believe God wants you to marvel at who he is this year and what he wants to do in your life and in the life of our church. So the, the question as we look into 2020 is this. What might God want to do in your life? What does God want to do in my life? It'd be a great thing to just sit with the Lord for 20 minutes, a half hour this next week. What, what do you want to do, Lord? I, I'm, I'm going to take look back at the year that I've had and look at the failures and look at the success and look at the joys and the difficulties and I'll take all that in and I'll pray, Lord, that you'd redeem it as only you can do. But Lord, as I look ahead, what do you want to do in my life? Where do I censure at work? What changes do you want to bring about? What, what practices in my life do I need to do so that I can intersect with what the Holy Spirit wants to do? So as you move into 2020, what are you looking forward to spiritually? How does God want to grow you? And is your heart prepared to meet Christ in this new year? Have you thought about fasting? Have you thought about joining a core group or being with other Christians? Have you thought about getting one-on-one -on -one with somebody and meeting from time to time, just talking about what God's doing in your life? Those are the things that will help put your life in the right place. So that when the Holy Spirit wants to move, he'll be able to move. And you'll be shocked at what he'll be able to do in your life. You will truly, truly be amazed. May we be amazed this year. Let's, um, let's pray together. So Lord... Our, our prayer and our desire is that we would be amazed at how you work in us. May we not grow discouraged by our failures. May we learn from them. And for, Lord, we do pray that you would redeem our brokenness and our hurt. And, and Lord, we pray prayerfully look ahead with what you want to do expectantly knowing Lord that you desire good things for us knowing Lord that you are our father that wants what is best for us wants to change us and challenge us and transform us So, Lord, may this year, this year that is ahead, be a year where our heart is ready for what you want to do. And it is in Jesus' name we pray.